Greetings and welcome to Reset and Reorder. I'm Tami Musehana and with my husband, Masindi Musehana from Gate Ministries East London. A special welcome to our Gate Ministries East London family. I want to encourage you at this point in time to continue to delight <coughs> in the word of the Lord because there's nothing like it. Our encouragement, our strengthening from within, being built, our nutrition is coming from the word of the Lord, nowhere else. I also want to extend a word of welcome to those who relate to us, including our biological families. Thank you for your words of encouragement, the responses you leave on these videos. That is quite encouraging, especially to know that people are benefiting from the way that is being shared from this platform. Now in the last session, we started looking at um, God's judgment in the context of what is happening around the world with COVID-19. And we wanted to place ourselves exactly where God wants us to be. So we went into scripture because in scripture is where we find principles, precepts, where we find the wisdom of God, and also where we find reference of how people responded in the past to the judgment of the Lord and how God expects us to respond in times such as this. We've looked at how we need to seek his face, but we've also uh, placed great emphasis on the fact that this is a time for reflection and self-introspection. Um, more than anything that could happen to us at a time like this, I know some people are facing um, job losses, uh, there's uh, an economic downturn, uh, there's uncertainty, people don't even know where their next um, meal is going to come from. And as much as, um, think of the schools as well, people don't know how the school year is going to end. And as much as those things um, are nerve-wracking and um, very frustrating for us, the greatest response and the greatest focus we could have at a time like this is to focus on that which the Lord requires of us. And that can only come when we humble ourselves and seek his face so that we may turn from our wicked ways. We've also looked at how judgment um, is, um, you know, it, 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 our, our, our last time we looked at how um, we need to respond as individuals and this week i want us to just quickly look at how judgment is not only an individual process but also a corporate process you know in as much as we seek to amend our ways individually but as leaders from all walks of life and leaders both in um, our biological and spiritual families we need to take cognizance of the fact that the way we conduct ourselves and the way we lead has an impact of how people become uh, judged or protected at a time like this, you know. Uh, sometimes, if even as we, as individuals, it's possible to walk in righteousness, but because of those around you, of you know, people that lead you or people that God has placed around you, you find yourself exposed to the judgment of God. You know? So um, this is not just about leadership. Um, in, 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 in what you call, if I may use this word, official places, you know. But it's also about basically 
how we impact our lives, our conduct, impacts on those around our environment. This goes to parents, you know, and how we impact society because of how we live our lives, you know, and how we influence those around us. So in this session, just to bring that into perspective, we'll be looking at three examples of people in leadership and how their sin, for example, affected not only them, but also those that they led. Um, we'll start in the book of Numbers uh, with the rebellion of Okora. Um, for the, the book of Numbers 16, um, I want to read verses 27 to 33, but if you could read um, just Numbers 16.1 for us, please. Number 16.1. 16.1 to the first few verses, just for us to get the context of how the rebellion came about. <coughs> Okay, I'm going to read from the book of Numbers, chapter 16, verse 1. I'll stop when you say I must stop. <laughs> now Korah, the son of Ezra, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men and they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown, they gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Now, do you, do, you, do you get the context? Mm. Here are men questioning Moses for his leadership. So their argument is that all of us here, we are, we are all part of a holy nation, if mm. I can put it that way. And so we are all holy. And we all have the Spirit of God. So why do you exalt yourself? Why do you make yourself leader over, over us? You know? Mm. And from from just that, I could hear um, what 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 happens to you know some of our churches, not even just churches, but in society generally. You know where people say, "But I also can lead." You know why must it be you? Even in the corporate environment, mm. you know. But we have to understand, especially at a time like this, that God appoints men. You know, He's sovereign. He chooses whom he chooses, you know. We can't question why God made um, one person a prophet or another one just, you know, a, a, a normal person. I think it's in Jeremiah where the Bible says, but we cannot question why the potter, a, 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 a vessel cannot say to the potter, why have you made me like this? No. And we have to understand, for instance, when the Bible speaks of the fivefold ministry that he gave some to be, apostles, some prophets, and so forth. It is not by the choice of men, but it is by his choice. God chooses, and we cannot question his criteria. In this context, when God called Moses, Moses was not exalting himself. Moses was called by God in the book of Exodus. The Bible tells us that God himself said to Moses, I am sending you. 
And um, further down, um, I think it's in chapter 3 or 4, he says that, look, I'm sending you with your brother Aaron. And you, Moses, when you speak, you will speak like me to Aaron. So whatever you say to Aaron will be as if I said it. So it's as if God had delegated authority given to Moses to say, look, I'm calling you. You are going to lead these people. You know, I delegate a level of authority to you. And so God does that even today. That's why you know, we still have the fivefold ministry on the earth. We still have those who are called of God to be apostles, called of God to be prophets, called of God to lead congregations and families. You know. And we cannot question why them and not us. You know. mm. Yeah. And, and that was the gripe that um, Korah and his um, group of about 250 men had. But as I said, how we conduct ourselves also has a way of bringing judgment not only upon us, but upon those around our environment. And in this case, I want us to look at how the uh, rebellion of Korah against Moses not only affected them when, when the earth swallowed them, but it affected them together with their families and everything that belonged to them. Mm. For instance, when you look at Moses, Moses is a type of the sent one. Yes. Not everyone, uh, not every leader mm. is a sent one of God. You know, okay. you might have the Spirit of God within you, mm. you might be a leader in your own right, mm. but not necessarily be the sent one. Thank you. Mm. That, that is powerful. And as I'm saying, that's why we need to learn to accept the place that God has placed us in and also accept those whom God has called to be above us you know then it's it's beyond me I cannot explain it any further than to say in his sovereignty God selects people you know and we cannot question that yes. mm. I'm, I'm thinking sorry to, to delay your, your time or your point time I'm thinking of the place like regions you mm. know they, they are leaders, many leaders in, in households, you know, in sectors. But in that region, you find that there's only one sent one mm. whom we ought, you know, to hear the sound, the authentic sound of God, mm. true. That it doesn't mean you, you, that person is bringing us to himself. True. But that person is mm. as if God is speaking to us. Ours, yes, mm. ours is to hear the voice of the Lord mm. through that person. Mm. I'm just I'm thinking of that as you are discussing. Yeah. No, it's a serious point. For instance, um, in my study of the word recently, I have come to realize, and as much as I've known, I think we've also taught um, a church about the importance of prophets and how they bring the rhema word, what they bring is as if it comes from God, you know. Um, I, I, my eyes opened up afresh to how important those people are. And they can be ordinary people like you and me when you look at them. You know? But as they speak, they speak as the oracle of God. And what, we need, what they say needs to be taken seriously. This point was further illuminated by the fact that every time God brought a warning to the Israelites, he used prophets. You know? So all we need to do is to learn 
allow the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God to teach us to learn to acknowledge and honor those whom God has sent. So let's look at what happens to Korah and how what he had done impacts not only on himself but for on others as well. So we skip um, the rest of the verses which um, I encourage you to go through yourself and we catch the story in the same chapter, chapter 16 but uh, verse 27 to 33. So they got away from around the tents of Korah and Dathan. So this is the following day and Moses said, you know what? I cannot speak for myself. I'm going to allow God to judge in this context. So that night he goes, he stands before God, he converses with God about this matter, and then the following day he comes. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this, you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. You know? So um, it, it's as if Moses wants to, he needs to be vindicated. I mean, his authority is being questioned. He said, look, I don't know, but you know, um, God will judge. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. And God will just prove who he has sent. Mm -hmm. you know? um, so he will prove to you that he sent me. I didn't send myself. You know? For I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they have, are visited by a common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up in, with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking that, uh, all these words, that the ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit, the earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Now, I want to extract just a few things um, here. Do you realize that at the beginning of this chapter, the people who ferment this rebellion is Korah and a few men, and they recruit about 250 others. And uh, I want to submit... Um, a view that says that their families were probably not involved in this whole um, 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 schema, whole, whole rebellion. You know, the Bible actually tells us that when they stood in front of their tents, even little children were there. And guess what happens to the little children? They are swallowed up because of the sins of their fathers. So how we lead our households, you know, could cause our households to come into calamity because of how we view the Word of God. Mm. So these are, are, are serious times. These are times of being circumspect. The reason why we need to introspect is because we need to look at every little detail of how we live our lives, 
how we lead and how we imp how our decisions impact on those that we lead or those in our sphere of influence. I'm reminded of the intimacy with God. Mm. Because as we as we lead, as we hear God, we will know that people like Moses are not leading us to mm. themselves. Yes. You know. Mm. But when we when, when we miss the mark and then now judgment comes upon us, we found we find ourselves to be on the wrong side. And unfortunately with them, they had no opportunity to make amends. They were swallowed up alive by the earth. So we, we need to look at how we lead our families, especially in the Lord. And um, th you know how God works, that God works in families. Mm -hmm. And in as much as God has um, showed us how he works in nucleus biological families, we also have spiritual families are i believe that at a time like this we need to come to a place also where we reset how we see church church is not a place where we are affiliated by membership church is the family of god in fact the bible tells us that the scripture in um, um i'll find it but it says blessed be god the father you know who is the father of all the families on the earth. It doesn't talk about being a father of all the churches on the earth. It talks about how God is the father of all the families on the earth. We'll find the scripture and put it down for down, down on the on the uh, what you call on the notes for your reference. So one of the things we need to reset is to understand that as a nucleus family, how do we relate to the immediate family of God where God has placed us? You know. Are we there criticizing, uh, you know, taking out our red pen and, you know, criticizing everything and saying, if it was me, I would do it this way, that way? Or are we there believing that God has placed us in this family and being productive members of that family in such a way that we help build up the family of God where we have, he has placed us instead of destroying it? The second example I want us to look at is how the sin of one man can impact on a whole nation. Uh, again, we look at the book of uh, Joshua. And uh, therein we find that um, as Israelites have um, been, uh, are now beginning to conquer in the land of uh, Canaan, at the instruction of God the Father, one of the things he says to them, and um, it's, a, it's a whole discourse, and there are many principles that we can glean from there, but I, I don't want us to focus on them for now. When they came, he told them, we know how they, um, Jericho was overcome, and nothing was taken in Jericho. The same when God said to them, continue, conquer this town, conquer that town, but don't take anything, you know, and it so happened that one man disobeyed the, the, the commands of the Lord. And because of that one man, a whole nation was in trouble. So we see here, um, Joshua and his armies are preparing to come against a, 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 a sort of a small town called Ai. And let's read as to what happens to them and why it happened. From Joshua chapter 7. 
verses 4 to 21. It says, So about 3,000 went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the earth and his face and on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? All that we had been uh, content and dwelled on the other side of the Jordan. O oh Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So here's Joshua. He knows that he, he knows that he knows that he knows that God has called them to take over the land of Canaan. And when they are now being overcome, he does not understand. God, have you forsaken us? What is happening? And this is how God responds to him. So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the cursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed from among you. So God's response is that he says, you see, you'll, you'll see as we go down the story that it's one man who has done this. But God looks at it as the whole nation. You see how he says, he says, so Israel has sinned. He refers to them as a nation. But we know that it's one man who has sinned. Let's, let's proceed. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by household. And the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire, he and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah and he took the family of, of the Zarites. And he brought the family of the Zarites men by men. And Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household men by men and Achan, the son of Cambri, 
the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, which with the silver under it. So here's a man. Because he coveted a little bit of gold and silver and some Babylonian garments, his sin puts the whole nation under distress and under judgment. So that's why I'm in, in, this, um, in this session we are saying what we do. We cannot say, I know judgment is not about me, it's about them. You know? But where God has placed us, we need to look at how we are living and we need to learn to be circumspect with how we move you know, to make sure that we don't put others in danger but also that we don't put ourselves in danger. The last example is um, the sin of David, which is, uh, we, we know very well about it. But I want us to look at what God said. Now, let's look at what David did quickly. We know that he slept with Bathsheba, and we know that he tried to find ways to take Uriah out, so that this whole thing is covered up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he brought Bathsheba to his house. Yeah. And then God sends the prophet Nathan to go and speak to him. Now again, God sends a prophet okay. to go and warn mm-hmm. people. Um, I know I'm digressing, but you know, this came strongly for me that it, we have come to a time when we, we don't have to see prophets as some people who existed in the Bible or as those people who just tell us that everything is going to be fine and we're going to be blessed. But we must know that they are oracles of God and they are able, God is able to use them to bring warning to us, not to destroy us, but to cause us to be aligned. Anyway, that was a side dish back to what I was referring to with David. So when Nathan goes to him to speak to him, he realizes that he has sinned and he repents. But then these become the consequences of his sin. In 2 Samuel 12, um, verses 9 to 14, um, this is Nathan speaking. He says, Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? That is, he's speaking on behalf of God. To do evil in his sight. You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. So when we do evil, it's as good as we are despising God. You know, you'll see. Did you see the pattern in, in what we're reading? When we do evil, it's as if we reject God, you know. 
You have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. And if you read um, the book of Samuel, 2 Samuel particularly, you will notice how the children of David are taken out. You know, Tamar is raped by his own brother. Absalom kills Amnon in revenge. Absalom revolts against the father. Now, this is the house of a man who's called a man after God's own heart. You know, but his one sin causes his whole house to be in disarray. And we know that Absalom died, in fact he died a cast death because he hung on a tree. And I can go on and on about the things that befell David because of his sin. And um, what I want to highlight here is the fact that we've looked at three types of people. You know, how a father or a leader in a community, uh, their sins can affect how their children and those around them are judged. We've looked at how one main sin can impact the whole family. We've looked at a king, King David, you know, mm-hmm. and how his sin brought um, calamity not only over his family, but we know that when there was revolt, even in the house of Judah, I mean, in the in 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 the kingdom during that revolt, we see how the nation of Israel, you know, is brought into disarray because of what the king has done. And with all this, what we want to highlight, if I could come to a place where we say, what should be our response? Our response is that we need to live and walk circumspectly first of all. But also, this is not a time to say, no, I'm not being judged. This judgment is for so-and-so. I'm not being judged. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm living right. You know? It's a time for us to be circumspect. And also a time for us to be willing to humble ourselves to a point where we can even confess the sins of our nation if needs be. You know? As Daniel would do, I think, in the, in the book of Daniel. Um, Chapter 9. Yeah. When he came before God, um, after the 70-year period of uh, slavery in, uh, in Babylon was concluded. I can read that. Mm-hmm. Verse 5 and 6 says, um, from, I'll read from verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. Mm-hmm. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgment. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. That's, that's, um, that's beautiful. That's humility. No. It, it, it is humility because at, at this level, you know, where Daniel is speaking now, is a level of, you know, leadership. It's not personal. It's not. It's not about himself. Mm. That's that's the place 
where God is calling us to, where we can rise as, as leaders and look at our lives, our wickedness, and go before God on behalf of ourselves and the 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 influences or the areas in which we are leading mm. on become on behalf of the congregation. You know, congregation was not only church. Yes. You know, but the sphere of leadership mm. come before God, not to point fingers to say, No, they've sinned that one, that group of people or that group. Mm. It's not about us pointing fingers at each other mm. during times such as this. It's time for us to sincerely bring our hearts before God yeah. in humility, as you are saying. Yes. I believe we, th we should close um, this session by saying that this is a time of judgment, but also it is a time for us to seek wisdom. You know, David would say um, in, the, in the book of Psalms, teach me to number my days, you know, so that he could apply wisdom, so that he could live right, so that he could live circumspectly. You know. In the book of James, um, God invites us, if we need wisdom, he invites us to come because he gives wisdom ungrudgingly. Solomon, um, a man who's known to be the wisest man alive, when he took over the reins and he went to seek God and God said to him, what do you want? Just tell me. It's as if God gave him a blank check and he asked for this one thing. He said, look, Lord, I need wisdom to lead your people. So this is a time when in our reflection, we should also reflect on how we have been leading. And in our reflection and seeking the Lord to say, Lord, Help us from now onwards. Can we lead with your wisdom? You know? Can we lead people to you and not to ourselves? You know, one of the dangers of being a leader in our day is that um, there's this um, celebrity culture mm. that uh, is built around the leader, not only in church, also in the corporate environment. And unfortunately, the leader... You know, people worship the leader, but then the leader ends up living and doing what he needs to do, not in line with what he's been called to do, but in line with what pleases the people and keeps the, the worship and the adoration coming. So we live in a dangerous time such as that. Unfortunately, when we do that, we open this very same people, we leave them susceptible to judgment. No. So it's a, it's a time to reflect. It's a time to walk in wisdom. As I was saying in, in the last session, that I'm, I'm even looking at how I, I lead my kids. You know, I, I give attention to them. Some of the things I've been reflecting on is how I pour myself out to others, like those whom God has um, allowed us to lead. You know, how much investment do I make, do I give to them? There's a scripture in the Bible, I'm just not sure where, I think it's in the book of Ezekiel, where God says, the shepherds have not fed the sheep, you know. They left them desolate. And we know even during the time of Jesus, when he came, he found, he saw people scattered as sheep without shepherd. 
No. So it is a time for us, particularly leaders at church and churches in the house of God, not only to look at how we can grow ministry, but also to look at how we can build Christ in others. Will you pray for us as we close? Okay. Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again, Lord. Thank you for your word, the sharing of your word. Trusting you, Lord, that you will expound it in us. Now as it is in a sweet form in our hearts, Lord, that we, by, by even the reading of the word of God, will cultivate it, Lord, and nurture it such that it grows forth to bring forth fruit in our lives. It's our prayer, Lord, that these difficult times and difficult discussions we are having now, we may simplify them, you know, by the power of your spirit in our hearts, that we may understand what you are saying to us at this time, a time as such as this that we are living in, that you, 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 you may cause us, Lord, you may cause the light to shine upon us, that we may get out or come out of ignorance, Lord. But we, we know what you're saying, we hear you for what you are saying in, our, in, our, in, in, in this time, that we may align ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, oh God, and turn back to you, Lord, Lord Almighty. Father, you know how we ought to be like as your sons in the earth, even in, in, in the area of relationship, how we ought to relate to one another. As you are God, a God of order, there are rankings, you know, in you, oh God. There's orderly in the men in which we ought to relate one to another. Because, Father, predominantly, you, you want us to be a family, like as we are your family, oh God, you want us to be family here on earth. Therefore, Lord, in, in judging us, you want us to go back to that alignment, Lord. And we are availing ourselves to you. We are opening up ourselves to your judgment. Trusting, Lord, that those whom you send our way and those whom relate to us, Lord, will understand that which we are saying as it is being said by you, Lord. Understand by your spirit that we not judge in a punitive way, mighty God, but you are judged, you are judged for us to correct our ways. Help us, mighty God, to, to search our hearts. It's not easy to search our hearts, especially as individuals, even corporately. It's not easy, Lord. What is, what is easy for us to do is to point fingers at other people. Very easy to see faults in other people. It, 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 we are accustomed to that, Father. But now, during times such as this, Lord, help us now to look at our very own selves before we even consider looking at the next person, Lord. Yes, Lord. Cause us, Father, to be willing, mighty God, and able to humble ourselves before you, that, mighty God, your ways may be our ways, Lord. It's our prayer, Father. It's the prayer of our heart, Lord, that you search us, even as we search ourselves by your Spirit, those blind spots, the areas that we are not even aware of, we may easily tick all the boxes, Lord, and say we are walking righteously before you. But you know each and area, each and every area of our lives. You know our blind spots, Lord. We bring those blind spots before you. Even as we lead people, 
We pray even for those who are listening, Lord, to this uh, message today, that even them, Lord, you may help them, help all of us, mighty God. Because this has come to us all. No one, Lord, is, 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 is exempt to, to this judgment that it has come to us. No one, Lord. Therefore, we pray for everyone, for us all, Lord, that we each look at our lives, look at the relationships, Lord. Look at the, the migration that needs to take place, mighty God. Look at the recognition that needs to take place, Lord, whereby we recognize those whom we have sent our ways and migrate towards them and not by any means think that we are independent lord we can hear you for ourselves we know it all mighty god we've got the bible we've got the spirit help us to open our eyes to that lord those are not easy things for us to do it's not mm. easy for a man to submit to another man lord. Mm. it's not easy for a man to relate to another man oh god hence we need you we need your grace in that area need your grace father lord i take this time to bless each and everyone lord trusting that you are god of provision you are god of miracle lord you even during times such as this you do perform miracles therefore lord i pray that you meet the needs of your people as we come drawing closer to you drawing near to you lord draw near to us father we need to during even at this time lord we need you we need to we need you, O oh God. Therefore, Lord, may your people be comforted by your presence, Lord, in their lives. Help us, mighty God. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, loving. Thank you for watching. And um, we will conclude um, this message in the next session when we look at um, the type of things that God judges his people for. And also, as we've done in the previous session in this one, look at how we can appropriately respond. Till next time, lots of love.